is a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 25th of August 2008. Newcomers look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com and you'll find lots of previous talks I've given on the histories of this wonderful and awful new world order that's coming into being. It's always been on the go. In fact, it's been on the march all through your lives and your parents and their parents too. Also look into Alan Watt Sentient, Sentinel.eu and download transcripts in the various languages of Europe. You can print them up and pass them around to your friends. And what a role we are on. We are on a role because every day there's more and more coming out in newspapers. We're, we're getting declarations given to us by governments, something that the British people were used to growing up with because the government, the BBC, used to just declare to you, like royal declarations, the Ministry of so-and-so was doing this, and the Ministry of that was doing that. And it was exactly the same system I found out when I tuned into the, the old Soviet Radio Moscow station, because they were giving the same sort of uh, scenario to their own people. And I realized that probably Radio Moscow copied the BBC. That was the conclusion I came to. And now you'll find that Radio China and all the other stations around the world are exactly like the BBC, telling us that ministries have declared to the people that they're going to yada, yada, yada. And this is on a roll. Interestingly enough, all the groundwork has been done over the 20th century as regards to setting up the institutions and services which eventually were to become authorities over us, getting us used to being herded and, and guided along a certain path. First they came out with services, and then once they got some more power, they started to issue suggestions, and now they simply issue orders which are backed by governments. We've watched this happen with the children's aid societies and a host of others, even the teachers' authorities now, and they are authorities over the children. I've got articles here where they, they search the, the teachers search the children coming into school. Welcome to the Gestapo and the Brave New World. That's what education's all about, isn't it? And then again, most people don't think what education even is. Uh, they, they take it for granted it's to help you do a few sums, as we say, do your sums and eventually get a job uh, and once you leave school, earning a few shekels to, to pay your way through life and get the little goodies that you want. But it's nothing to do with that now. They're quite open about it. It is purely social engineering to create a, a citizenry for a new world order. That's what it's all about. And actually, that's what it's always been about. We just didn't know any better. There was no one around then to tell us what was really going on. Lenin talked about it. And you have to read the communist books. They were churned out by, by the Soviets. In fact, most of them were churned out in New York City. Um, strangely enough, or maybe not so strange. And... I collected these by the dozens, especially after the Cold War. You'd pick them up for a few cents each. 
And Lenin talked about uh, setting up these services worldwide, which would eventually become dominant sort of authorities over the public. That's been achieved. You know, even your police authorities are actually services. They're there on your sufferance. The taxpayers technically can abolish them if they want to. Isn't it amazing through the propaganda and TV drama shows and fictions we've been sold a bill of goods to completely distort reality? See, anyone who's on the taxpayer's uh, bill to get paid by the taxpayer can be abolished by the taxpayer. I'll be back with more after this break. I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix. And before the break, I was talking about the fact that all these government institutions are there on our sufferance, supposedly, and how they've warped it and turned it around 180 degrees by propaganda and repetition. Because, you see, the parallel government really runs things, the ones that they don't vote in, like the Maggie Thatchers and ex-prime ministers and presidents. Going all the way back to Jimmy Carter, he's, he belongs to the CFR and Trilateral and all the rest of it. These characters run the world on behalf of their masters too, mind you, because the guys at the top are called the lazy boys. They don't do any work at all. So anyone who's in the public limelight is still a worker bee. But they certainly do give their whole lives to this cause. They're dedicated, dedicated in a religious form. And that's the key to it. This came out a long time ago, even in the Enlightenment, you can see it in all the old paintings they did and put out there, all the mystical symbols they used within their paintings to show you that they were a religion that used nature as a front for something much higher. They believed everything was made imperfect, and their job, therefore, was to perfect that which was left imperfect through the intellect of superior humanity. That means themselves, of course. And they had the right, therefore, to be gods and to act as gods and reshape and remake the world the way it should be, which was in their image where we should all serve them. You know, all the lesser types should serve the ones at the top. And this is, this is this is a fascinating study when you study art and the famous artists uh, of the medieval times right through to the present because they give you their religion right in there and we are run by the same religion today. It is a religion. A religion that spent centuries destroying the mainstream religions. Centuries, 500 years war on the Catholic Church and then infiltration of the Catholic Church to get it out of the way. Aldo Huxley talked about that too. He said it was the only opposition to this new order. The Protestant sects were already already so many uh, had so many fragments of them, all fighting with each other over minor differences. There were no real threat. And then, of course, with the advent of TV evangelists, they gave them superstars to follow, and people are already trained, especially in America, to follow very rich people who seem successful. And as long as they had the right vocabulary and used the right kind of words, hallelujahs and all that kind of stuff, they taught the right language. They were accepted as coming from God and obviously closer to God because they were well blessed with uh, all the riches of the world. 
the only ones who were left to fight were was Islam. And the reason that these particular sects were targeted was because it goes against this other religion, this religion which hides behind all of them, yet attacks all of them like snipers done through centuries. Very, very interesting tale to tell about that. And there's a bit of it, a little bit of it, although not in that manner, of course, mentioned in this particular article, which is from the Wise Up Journal, the 20th of August, 2008. In the Wise Up Journal, it's called Agenda 21, the UN Blueprint for the 21st Century. You see, masonry was only a tool that came out and was spawned off by Rosicrucianism one of the first open brotherhoods, and I mean open, it wasn't the first one, but it was the first open brotherhood to come out around the 1500s. And they plastered posters all over Paris declaring their existence, and then the same with London, England, and they made a base uh, around Queen Elizabeth the first court. That was the first openly pre-Masonic or Rosicrucian court in existence. And they used different colors for their different lodges. Each lodge has a speciality. They modeled this after the various priesthoods of the Catholic Church. When you see the Dominicans who, are, who have the dominion over the church with their black robes, you see. Then the Grey Friars. Then they had the, the different ones, the Franciscans, which are also called the Red Monks. These were special orders that go all the way back to Pythagoras because the Catholic Church actually took a lot of the old paganism within it from the very beginning. The Blue Lodge was set up as an entranceway in the daylight, the daylight, that which is in the open, because they were not getting told the darker secrets of the Black Lodge, the nighttime lodge. And from the Blue Lodge, all the Masons go into the third degree, and then they branch off into the Scottish Rite of Freemasonry, or they go into the York Rite, generally. But there's also side degrees, and ones who have special abilities, and who are picked or chosen, or called out, as they call it, are taken off into the side degrees, where they shoot up like a rocket into high positions of power. These are the characters that Carl Quigley talked about, and tragedy and hope to do with the Royal Institute of International Affairs, which was founded, remember, by Cecil Rhodes. The Cecil Rhodes Society took its whole way of operations after the Jesuits. He said that in his own will, that, that the society had been formed and copied from the Jesuit techniques of deception. And that later became, it blended with the, the Milner Group, Round Table Society, which I still have today, and it became the Royal Institute of International Affairs with the function of bringing in a global society, once again ruled by superior types who were all eugenicists, of course, but who also had old family roots and a very old religion. They believed that the right to take over the whole world's food supply, resource supply, and manage all the lesser types, and even call them down if necessary. That's where all this comes from. The American branch is called the Council on Foreign Relations. They couldn't very well put the word royal in front of it, could they? And this, these groups have drawn and drafted up the whole world integration system. And everyone, like Thatcher and all the rest of it, 
who becomes part of, in her own, own terms, the parallel government that is not responsible to the public belongs to it. So back to this particular, this particular article from the Wise Up Journal. It says, effective execution of Agenda 21 will require profound reorientation of all human society. Unlike anything the world has ever experienced, major shift in the priorities of both governments and individuals and an unprecedented redeployment of human and financial resources. This shift will demand that a concern for the environmental consequences of every human action be integrated into individual and collective decision-making at every level. That's from Agenda 21. That's United Nations Agenda 21. Those people who think that this wear blue helmets and hand out candy bars to children. Check in to the United Nations because you better find out very fast what it's all about. As described in my previous article on sustainable development, Agenda 21 was the main outcome of the United Nations Earth Summit held in Rio de Janeiro in 1992. Agenda 21 outlines in detail the UN's vision for a centrally managed global society. This contract binds governments around the world to the United Nations plan for controlling the way we live, eat, learn, move, and communicate, all under the noble banner of saving the Earth. If fully implemented, Agenda 21 would have the government involved in every aspect of life of every human on Earth. Agenda 21 spreads its tentacles from governments to federal and local authorities, and you bet they do, through, again, all your local authorities and your school boards and so on. They're all part of this, and each one has their own part of the agenda to fulfill. Find out who the Eastern Stars are in your local area, and the local masons, and you'll find they're on the boards of every institution that rules over you. It is and right down to community groups, chapter 28 of Agenda 1, 21 speaks, specifically calls for each community to formulate its own local Agenda 21. One was opened up in Sudbury just earlier this year, disappeared out of nowhere, run by very wealthy people. Each local authority should enter into a dialogue with its citizens and local organizations and private enterprises and formulate a local Agenda 21. Through consultation and consensus building, local authorities would learn from citizens and from local civic community, business and industrial organizations and acquire the information needed to formulate the best strategies. And that's from Agenda 21, Chapter 28, Section 1.3. Interestingly, in April 1991, 14 months before Earth Summit, Prince Charles held a private two-day international conference aboard the Royal Yacht Britannia, moored off the coast of Brazil. His goal was to bring together key international figures in an attempt to achieve a degree of harmony between the various countries that would gather at the summit. Al Gore was present, along with senior officials from the United Nations and the World Bank. At the summit... 179 nations have officially signed or, or did officially sign Agenda 21 and many more have followed since. Nearly 12,000 local and federal authorities have legally committed themselves to the agenda. In practice, this means that all their plans and policies must begin 
with an assessment of how the plan or policy meets the requirements of Agenda 21, and no plans or policies are allowed to contradict any part of the agenda. That also means your constitution or any rights that you think you have. Local authorities are audited by UN inspectors, and the results of the audits are placed on the UN website. You can see how many local authorities in your country were bound by Agenda 21 in 2001, and they have the link right here on the site. The number has increased significantly from then. And I'll be back to read more of this article, which is very important, after these messages. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix, giving you a peek into one of the rooms in the Matrix, a very important room to do with Agenda 21. This agenda is going to rule everyone's, it already is in fact ruling our lives, right down through our local authorities and various institutions that have now become powerful authoritarian types over our heads telling us what to do. In this brave new world, that's all part of Agenda 21. To continue with this article I'm reading from, it says the official opening ceremony of Agenda 21 in the Air Summit was conducted by, guess who? The Dalai Lama. The Dalai Lama, the guy who's been round the block a few times, as the Masons would say, or as the Christians would say, he's been born, born again, and again, and again, and again. Again, that's my little joke. And centered around a Viking longship. A Viking longship, eh? Where does a Viking longship come into it that was constructed to celebrate the summit and sailed to Rio from Norway? The ship was appropriately named Gia. You're looking at a religion here. I hope you realize you're looking at a religion. That's what I'm describing. A huge mural of a beautiful woman holding the earth within her hands adorned the entrance to the summit. Al Gore led the U.S. delegation he was joined by 100 heads of state and represents of more than 800 NGOs, non-governmental organizations. But the ship was called Gia. Eh? Gia. You know what Gia is, don't you? Look it up. Maurice Strong. This Maurice Strong is an amazing guy. He, he's, he literally traps the planet, and I think he's around the 80-odd, and he works for the United Nations and the Rockefeller Foundation. He was picked up by David Rockefeller as a young fella and groomed for stardom in this global agenda. He's a true believer of the religion, indeed. And he comes from a long lineage of movers and shakers in this occult system, this, this cryptocracy that runs the world. His aunt was a, an advisor to Matsu Tung and is buried over next to Matsu Tung's grave. And here he is, jumping from one UN position to the other, then back to the Rockefeller Foundation to get orders from his bosses and back into the United Nations. This is Maurice Strong, Club of Rome member, devout Baha'i faith member, founder and first secretary general of UNEP, has been the driving force behind the birth and imposition of Agenda 21. When he chaired, when he chaired the Earth Summit outside, his wife Hannah and 300 followers called the Wisdom Keepers, that's at the back of Grandi Ranch, folks, a very interesting place. Uh, he's continuously beat drums, chanted prayers to Gia, and trended, uh, attended 
sacred flames in order to establish and hold the energy field for the duration of the summit. You can actually view the footage of these ceremonies on YouTube, and the link is on this particular site as well. Look it up and see this religion in action. During the opening speech, Maurice Strong made the following statements. Now listen carefully. The concept of national sovereignty has been an immutable, indeed sacred principle of international relations. It's a principle which will yield only slowly and reluctantly to the new imperatives of global environmental cooperation. It is simply not feasible for sovereignty to be exercised unilaterally by individual nation-states, however powerful. The global community must be assured of environmental security, and the link is here where you can actually hear him say this as well. It is the responsibility of each human being today to choose between the force of darkness, wasn't it this, and the force of light. This, this guy is a fanatic in his religion. We must therefore transform our attitudes and adopt renewed respect for the superior laws of divine nature. Here's your big clue right there, you see, divine nature. Current lifestyles and consumption patterns of the affluent middle class, and by God, they hate the middle class, these guys, involving high meat intake, use of fossil fuels, appliances, air conditioners, and suburban housing are not sustainable. Now, when you look at the guys who raised up this Mr. Strong, like the Rockefellers, these were the big guys in Standard Oil who plundered everybody to get their oil from them. There were tr tremendous wars. They were the oil barons. These are the same Rockefellers who lobbied across the United States and handed out a lot of money behind, under the table to make sure that all oh, tram cars, electric cars, etc., were taken off so that their oil and gasoline would get used. And here they are running the other side of the show as well. So, not sustainable. A shift is necessary which will require a vast strengthening of the multilateral system, including the United Nations. And the link is on that. You can hear him say that too. Among other things, listen to this. The agenda called for a global biodiversity assessment of the state of the earth, prepared by the United Nations Environmental Program, UNEP. This 1,140-page document armed UN leaders with the ecological basis and moral authority they needed to validate their global management system. The GBA concludes on page 863 that the root causes of the loss of biodiversity are embedded in the way societies use resources. This worldview is characteristic of large-scale societies heavily dependent on resources brought from considerable distances. It is a worldview that is characterized by, listen to this, the denial of sacred attributes in nature, a characteristic that became firmly established about 2,000 years ago with the Judea, Christian, Islamic, religious traditions. Okay, so there's your targets right there. Eastern cultures with religious traditions such as Buddhism, Jainism, and Hinduism did not depart as drastically from the perspective of humans as members of a community of beings included other living and non-living elements. In other words, Christians and Muslims are to blame for the sorry state of the world because the religions that are involved worshipping sacred nature and we'll be back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.
Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and we're cutting through the matrix. I'm trying to show you as a religion been active down through the centuries that carefully destroyed its main enemies one by one, but destroying its last one right now in the Middle East, the Muslim system. And they're bringing forth, and, and they're set up to bring forth their own religion way back long ago in the late 1800s. It took them a hundred years to really bring it up to scratch. And it's called roughly the New Age, something that goes with their religion when they believe it's their time to rule the planet. Sometimes they call it the fifth Aryan race. Hence the reason for the longship that started off the journey with the Earth Summit. Hitler talked about it too, because he was right into it from theosophy. And from the 60s onwards, 1960s onwards, they bombarded the youngsters with New Age Hinduism and yoga and all the other things that have become commonplace today. And people are now practicing a religion and they're prepared to go into this New Age and have no idea really that they've all been conned or fooled or programmed and they have indeed been programmed for what's to come. To continue with this article, following the Earth Summit, Maurice Strong was named Assistant Secretary General of the United Nations and was appointed to the position of Chief Policy Advisor by Kofi Annan. He was also a member of the UN's Commission on Global Governance and a key architect of the Kyoto Protocol. Strong and his wife have also established the Manitou Foundation, providing land in Colorado an eclectic mix of religious groups, including the Creestone Mountain Zen Center, the Spiritual Life Institute, which says here a Catholic Carmelite monastery, but you can't really equate Carmelites with Catholicism anymore. They're into a very uh, sort of female um, god-type worship of themselves. The, he the Hedak Handi Universal Ashram, the Sri Aurobindo Learning Center, Mangala Sri Bhuti, Tibetan Buddhist, and Karma Iksum, Tashi Gomang, Indian mystics, and so on. The Strongs have located their spiritual center in the Colorado Mountains because, it says, the Strongs learned that since antiquity, indigenous peoples have revered this pristine wilderness as a place for conducting their vision quests and receiving shamanic, shamanic trainings. It is prophesied that the world's religious traditions would gather here and help move the world towards globally conscious coexistence and co-creation. Quite an interesting, they will not go by any other religion's prophecies or dogma, but they certainly do have their own, and they're not scared to say so in this day and age, are they? It's also called the place of the curse, by the way, but they don't mention that here. So what exactly does Agenda 21 contain? It consists of 115 different and very specific programs designed to facilitate or to force the transition to sustainable development. The objective clearly enunciated by the leaders of the Air Summit is to bring about a change in the present system of independent nations. The agenda is broken up into eight program areas for actions. Agriculture. You wonder why your farmers have been getting put out of business for a long time. The United Nations Department of Agriculture says it's too important to be left to farmers. That's why. Biodiversity and ecosystem management. Education, energy and housing. Population, they're talking about the size of population. Remember, they also run the eugenesis movement, although they call it bioethics today. Public health, 
because the public health is the way to dumb you down, make you very sick and kill you. Resources and recycling, transportation, sustainable economic development and so on. As you can see, Agenda 21 addresses nearly every aspect of modern life. If you have a spare few days, the entire document can be read here and they have the link on the site. I encourage the reader to at least read the table of contents in order to understand the true scope of this blueprint for the 21st century. I won't torture the reader by going into the document in too much depth, but I'll provide the first six paragraphs so that you can understand the true intent of Agenda 21. And that's the article. It goes on and on and on. The article has a lot of stuff in it. However, what I should add to all of this is this religion that runs this world, and it is a religion. When Bush Sr. referred to everything going to the heavenly plan, he was talking about the zodiac, the timetable, you see. And each part of the zodiac has an inner meaning to do with a function of the timetable. That's part of it too. When in ancient times, when they talked about, when the elite talked, the, the crowd that ran Plato and so on, talked about perfecting the world and that man's intellect would become godlike, you see, and perfect everything that was left and perfect. And when they had their own little kinds of religious sayings to do with nature and sacred nature and divine nature, what you're really discussing here is what's called Luciferianism. And unfortunately today, people are so dumbed down and being turned against old religions because of the ones who were deliberately put in there to make those religions almost hateful. People, people who, I'll put it this way, tended to expose themselves. These were the ones who infiltrated to do that very act and discredit the old churches. But we're talking here about Luciferianism. That's what they mean by it. And strong, this little blurb there talking about light against darkness is pushing that same same thing. If you look at the Essenes in ancient times, the Essenes had the same MO as the followers of Pythagoras, even though they also used Judaism as well. They were a specific group. You had five years when you wanted to join them, five years of silence, exactly the same way as, as Pythagoras had it. And they trained their people eventually to have revolution, eternal revolution. This is the same doctrine that came down through Marxism and went into Trotskyism, eternal revolution until they reached their goal. And remember, it's not a utopia for the most people on the planet. You are the inferior types. It's a utopia for those who deem themselves superior intellectually and in every other way as well. That's what we're looking at here. So don't kid yourself. We are run by a religion. In ancient times, they called it the goddess with a thousand names. It's a thousand societies, a thousand points of light. It has many, many names to confuse you. It has all the, the Freemasonic societies under its belt, male and female. It has all the New Age under its belt. And it's already working on its third or fourth generation into the New Age, who will accept everything that happens as though it's all quite natural, never suspecting to the very end that they've all been brainwashed by psychological warfare done by experts incrementally through the generations. 
they're sitting ducks. So those with sanity have to hold on to it. Those with memory must hold on to it because that's one thing they try to destroy in psychological warfare is your memory and then your will. Now I think we've got some callers on the phones and I'll try and get them in if I can get this page up. It keeps falling down for some reason. And then we'll see where we go from from there. But this is a very good article. It's one of many out there. And I could go on forever about this ancient religion, but but it would take up too much time. Now we've got Mark from Pennsylvania. Are you there, Mark? Hello, Mark. Good evening, Alan. Yes. You know, speaking of thousands, it's stunning how many thousands of disinformation truthers there are, obviously not you, but others out there who seem to have mostly truth, and you've talked about this before, and then as you said before, they spin you off into la-la land. I mean, some say 9-11's an inside job, some say they don't, some say the Jesuits did it, some say they don't, and to keep up with it is very, very difficult. Mm -hmm. With that said, I have the opportunity in a few days to talk to a person who quite frankly doesn't smell right to me. He says all the right things. He seems to emulate some of the things that you talk about, and his name is Tex Mars. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to guess that you're going to say you really can't go there and say what you really feel about him. But with that said, are there any questions that I can ask him that would get him to kind of show who he really is to see he, if he's really on our team? Mm-hmm. Um, well, you could ask why a person who was a top a technical man in computer warfare for the, the Air Force got to his status mm-hmm. without joining societies. And he wrote magazines for the military and everything in high tech mm-hmm. um, for, for warfare. And he retired and suddenly became a pastor leading the Patriot Movement. His whole thrust is against Judaism, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, I, and I think he's, he seems to have no shortage of finances to back him. I don't. That's about all I know about the man. And, and with that, then, then I'll let you run. Is it safe to assume that the shows that you used to do, you no longer do because of your choice or by their choice? And should we take that as a signal? Again, I know you can't say, but should we take that as a signal that maybe they're not on the up and up? Well, I, I do know. Uh, see, I turned down a lot of shows. I turned down more shows than I go on. And um, I, rather than name the ones that are obviously um, fake, I, I'm, to me they're obvious. I, I, know, I often hope that others can see it too. Um, and, and I do know too that, and I've read this article from the Toronto Star years ago, where they admitted the CIA set up the whole Patriot business back in the 60s, mm-hmm. and I've always maintained they never let go of it. Mm-hmm. And I do also know that people who are military CIA operatives and, and high up in FBI and so on, they often get jobs given to them, sort of part-time jobs when they do take early retirement. Mm-hmm. And it used to be quite standard to put them in these kinds of positions. You know? Uh, so, so you can't, because someone's uses the right language as I say it's like Christian terminology you use Christian terminology you'd be accepted anywhere that's why they can't they can't see who's running them and the characters are running them 
mm-hmm. as to do with their terminology, it's psycholinguistics. Um, because a person says they're a patriot doesn't mean that they are. Oh, right. And, and you have to realize this, that also they, a lot of them are self-funding. They get, they're allowed to keep a lot of the money even if they're on the payroll of the governments. Mm-hmm. So whenever you see big money rolling in there and, and uh, they're selling everything, you have to always be very, very cautious of them. Um, I think, too, the patriot business, to an extent, has altered since I've been pushing a lot of the information out there to get Americans away from the navel-gazing that no one else exists in the world, and we can get America back. You've got to realize America has been run by these characters for, for, for decades, at least, but probably for hundreds of years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and we have to realize they're a global society. Part of the reason for the United States existing is to bring this Novus Ordo Seclorum in, mm-hmm. this new earthly uh, nature-worship-loving green order, and uh, is doing its job very well. And everybody at the top knows it. They're all part of it. They're all, they're all um, vetted for their positions. Um, and now everyone who goes into bureaucracies and so on has to be very politically correct. They know which way the wind's going, and they're all green. As soon as they have to be green, they're green. If it's another color tomorrow, there'll be another color tomorrow. Mm-hmm. It's the same with the Patriot Radio. Uh, Patriot Radio can be very big business. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of it lives on fear, and, mm-hmm. uh, and it creates fear to sell. And and um, and yet, it's the only source of, an, it's the only method of, an, of getting this out on a big scale that we have. So we have to take the good and the bad with it. But people have to be very cautious as to who's setting who against whom because they do tend to have their own particular targets. It's not just the Jesuits. It's not just this group or that group or, or whatever. You'll find the elite in every country are already global. They're tied up globally, and they're all Freemasonic. Even Malachi Martin, who was a Jesuit, came out and said this, that his own order was, had gone over to Freemasonry. And he said that, that even in Israel, um, there's a temple there where where Jewish um, Masons meet with, with Muslim High Masons and they sit and, play, and work out their strategies together right there. So Masonry is international, remember, Freemasonry. And there are many names for it, for Freemasonry, and there's higher orders than the ones I've spoken about here. And they, run, they do run the world, and they do all go along the same agenda to do with uh, Mother Earth and nature worship, etc., etc., but they, they, at their bottom core, they do believe at the high levels of superior ranks. Now, Knights Templars came out. When the Knights Templars came out, they had two main ranks. One was for those who were already knighted, and they were the true masters. The second rank were called the quartermasters, and they were the laymen, basically. Freemasonry as such is for the lay people, the lower orders, the higher noble orders are for those who run this world. And this has been going on since the, the, the founding of Rome, uh, the Equestrian Order and, and onwards. This is a very old society that's used its name, changed its name and its appearance chameleon-like down through the centuries. And they worked hard from the 15th centuries on. The 15th century is when they realized they had 500 years to really get their system up and running. And they went into science and alchemy in a big, big way to make this happen and had to go through an industrial and technological revolution. They had to have revolutions in the world to change society. So you had cultural revolutions in every country. 
and they have pretty well achieved their objective and they know it. That's why this is so blatant and in your face today. I think I might have miscommunicated and then I'll let you run. What I'm trying to figure out, reading between the lines, and I'm sure a lot of other people are too, is if you've been on, for example, Visigoth's show and you haven't been on since, can we assume that there was a problem there and that he might not be a real person? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I know some people uh, um, have been on some Christian shows and because I wouldn't go along with, with their particular part in the agenda. And, I, and there's a lot of fake Christian shows out there. I should say they're fake Christian shows. There's no doubt about it. They mm-hmm. do have their agenda. I know a lot about them that I can't say mm-hmm. uh, on air. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I know that some, some shows, I can't say that about Visigoth, so I don't, I don't really know why he hasn't got back. Oh, so, oh, okay. Because I would think that he would want you to be back on mm-hmm. with your wealth of knowledge, but I haven't heard anything about that. So we're left to assume that if you left, I'm not speaking for everyone, but people who follow this stuff closely, then we assume that there was a falling out and that maybe he isn't real, he's a CIA, whatever. But you're saying that's not the case. Uh, I don't know. I've just never heard from him again. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think he is a Christian. I think he also had some background with the CIA or FBI or something. Mm. But I don't know the whole story. I know that with Red Ice, a consortium who's, who's well-funded from the British side, who threatened to get me off the air when I said I wouldn't join them, uh, did put pressure on Red Ice, who entered into a business pact with them. And that was part of the agreement, was to get me off their show. Well, thank you, Alan. Thanks for calling. I'm Alan Watt, and we're cutting through the matrix, and it certainly is a, a, a devious world out there, especially in the world of intelligence, and intelligence agencies, and counterintelligence, and all the rest of it. And why not? Because psychological operations are imperative to control the masses, and whenever you come up with truth, someone will come along, parallel it, mirror it, and then spin it off. That's what counterintelligence is. And that does make it very confusing for the people who are trying to wade through all this stuff. You have to use your own little inner voice. That's something inside of you that that goes on instinct. That's all you can do. Don't be sucked into something simply because it's fascinating. Remember what I'll put some, I think it was Weishaupt said, he says, the way we get the people in as recruits to work for us so we give them something that's fascinating, and that's what grabs you, you see. You to think for yourself. Uh, now, there's Maggie from Texas. Are you there, Maggie? Hello, Maggie? From Texas? Okay. Um, oh, okay. Okay, am I on now? Yeah, you are. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, last spring I had... <coughs> um, Uh, I guess a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to attend an international conference on new urbanism, uh, which, of course, is very closely tied to Agenda 21. And uh, one of their main uh, projects is to get people packed together tightly in these so-called planned communities. Mm -hmm. And uh, since one of those planned communities is going up, very close to where I live, and I've been documenting it. I thought it would be interesting to uh, attend that conference 
And uh, many interesting things happened, but uh, particularly worthy of note, uh, this man, Andre Duany, D-U-A-N-Y, who's kind of the high guru of that kind of planned community. Have you heard of him? Yeah, I have, yeah. Right. I think he, I think he invented Celebration Florida. I'm not quite sure. Um, anyway, he was talking about community planning, and uh, it was an ordinary lecture. It was a lecture on, uh, on uh, planning and architecture and so on. And right in the middle of it, he, he dropped the statement to the effect of, uh, it's taken us 150 years to arrive at this point in community planning. Mm -hmm. The only thing that will take longer will be creating a one-world religion. That will take 200 years. And he yeah. dropped that just right in the middle of a lecture and kept on going. That's right. That's right. That's what they do. Yeah, that they're becoming mm -hmm. so arrogant now. It's just astounding. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. And uh, at the same conference, they had a big video of uh, Prince Charles, who couldn't be there in person, but it was kind of the piece de resistance, and I don't remember it as specifically inspiring, but I do remember that the prince uh, made a little snickering joke about how it was it was just as well that he hadn't come because uh, he would have he would have wasted all that fuel and and he was being environmentally correct and staying home. Mm -hmm. That's why they steal the, the Royal Yacht across the world there, <laughs> chewing up about 50 gallons a minute. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was a panel on uh, the uh, precise um, new urbanism uh, planned community that's going up across the street from my house. And after the end, I went to the panel and talked to some of these people, and I said, well, what about the fact that there's no agricultural hinterland to support all this? Mm -hmm. And they were a little bit embarrassed, at least I the people I were. talked to. I bet they were. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks for calling, Maggie. Yes. Just meet at the end there. And from Hamish myself, in a very sprayed sky in Ontario, it's good night, and may your God or your gods go with you. Mm -hmm.